This is the Horse Radio Network. When I was a kid, I dreamed of going to horse camp. There was nothing in the world that sounded better than riding horses, making new friends, and leaving the world's worries behind. The good news is horse camp doesn't just have to be for kids. That's why I'm excited to announce the Leadline's premier ranch retreat for equestrian entrepreneurs happening this upcoming fall in upstate New York. You're invited to join me on October 11th through 14th for our first ever horse business getaway, complete with trail riding, kayaking, and of course, all of the fun horse camp stuff that grown-ups should get to enjoy too. Space is limited and spots are booking fast, so hurry over to theleadlinepodcast.com slash ranch retreat. That's theleadlinepodcast.com slash ranch retreat. Or click the link in our show notes to find out more. Welcome to the Leadline Podcast, the show where we believe that running your own horse business should feel less like a chore and more like the life you've always dreamed of. Join us as we share valuable advice on how to become more focused, more organized, and more profitable in your horse business. And now, here's your host, Mandy Flanders. Welcome back to the show, and thanks for tuning in today. As you always hear at the beginning of each episode, the Leadline is part of a great organization called the Horse Radio Network. From time to time, we like to start our episodes by giving a shout out to similar shows on the network and introduce our listeners to even more great content. Today, I'd like to kick off this episode by giving a shout out to the Wisdom by Wessa show. Wessa is the Western and English Sales Association, and similar to the lead line, they love to talk business, featuring interviews with noteworthy Western and English personalities, retailers, and exhibitors. So go check them out. Once again, that's the Wisdom by Wessa, W-E-S-A show, and be sure to tell them that I sent you. Today, you're going to hear from a really cool horseman who has dedicated his life not only to training horses, but also to teaching horse trainers. Colton Woods got his first taste of business as the son of two very successful parents who were involved not in horses, but in international trade. Colton joins me on the show to shed a little light on how he used the skills he learned from his upbringing to develop a profitable horse training business that today allows him to live the life that he always wanted for himself, his wife, and their future children. I ask him some pretty real questions during this interview, and I think you're going to learn a lot. So stick around. Here's Colton Woods. Hey, Colton, welcome to the podcast today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, Colton, you are doing some really cool things. And I really wanted to have you on the show because I believe that you are taking a very good approach to running a horse training business and actually treating it like a business. You see a lot of horse trainers out there that are up and coming. They're trying to get things going and sometimes they struggle. But what I see you doing online these days is that you are putting out some content that is just really supportive for the horse training industry specifically. And you are trying to really help them think of it like a business, treat it like a business, and actually be profitable. So I'm excited to just unpack why you're doing all that today here on the show. Absolutely. I'm excited to be able to share this with more people because there's the pain and the pleasure part of it. I love business in general, but also I'm really it, it does hurt to see other fellow horse trainers that are putting their heart, soul, energy, everything they have into these businesses because they want to do what they love and they want to be able to serve their clients the best they can. But then oftentimes that business part, it becomes that starving artist type thing where they become very good at their craft 
But yet we also, many horse trainers don't get into it for the business. They got into it because they want to help horses. They want to work with people that enjoy working with their horses. And that, at some point that pain point got so big where I'm like, I'm seeing my friends, colleagues exiting the industry because of the finances. I was like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, so I, I'm really excited. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here with you because this is something I'm really passionate about and our students are getting amazing results. So all the more reason to share it with more people. Absolutely. Well, what I'd like to do today, Colton, is kind of backtrack a little bit because I have a feeling that this is something that you learned at some point in time in your career that now obviously you're teaching it to others. But did you always have this business mindset when it came to horse training? So when it came to horse training, yes. Now, I will backtrack maybe a little bit further than that. And I will say like my mindset has always been very entrepreneurial. I've always had that business ownership. I enjoy sales. I enjoy being able to market something that I truly believe in, which most horse trainers, they really believe in the services that they're offering to their clients and to their students. So that can become natural. But if you put the word marketing around that, they get a little clammy. They're like, I don't like selling myself. And it's like, because we're not thinking about this in in the right way, what you're actually doing is a service by sharing what you're doing. And so we got we to gotta retrain our brain a little bit. But as a kid growing up, like I didn't grow up around horses. So a lot of people think, oh, they, they see the photos. They see like us, you know, riding like bareback and bryless on a, a Mustang or something. And they see this and they're like, oh, you must have grew up on a ranch out west. And I tell them that I wish I did. But at the same time, I'm really glad that I didn't because I grew up in a family of international business. And so my parents owned and built two different companies that were involved in international trade. So for my childhood, it wasn't going to 4-H clubs and it wasn't going to the local horse shows. My childhood was being taken back to the warehouse and having to get to play in boxes, but also being around my parents talking about marketing, finances, customer experience. And those were the dinner conversations. Those were the car ride conversations that were just normal for me as a kid was all this business side of things. And I got bit by the entrepreneurial bug before I got bit by the horse bug. And once the horse bug kicked in, my parents, everyone else was like the same thing that many horse trainers hear, right? Like, you're going to die broke. You're not going to make it. Like, what the hell are you thinking? You could go work in the family business and you could do incredibly well. My parents told me, go, just go get a real job, air quotes, right? And enjoy your horses on the side. You didn't grow up around this. Even the people that did hard have a, hardly have a chance to make it. Like, everyone's feeding my parents all this information and they're on Google and they're like, this kid is insane. Like, he's going to go get a worthless degree and he's not going to make it. And he's going to like, this is a terrible life decision. They did everything they possibly could to challenge me to make sure that I was preparing myself for when I did enter. And when I when I did decide to pursue that, the horse side of my career, when I got into the businesses, when I started working for people that were doing this for a living and I got to travel and go to all different types of barns, whether it was a raining barn, I mean, top FEI level, like raining, dressage, the top, top barns. And I'm seeing how these people are running their businesses and it's month to month, debt on debt on debt. And I'm like, what is going on? So when I did finally get to starting my own business, I ran it like a business. I had no intentions in going broke as a horse trainer because I had just spent ten, like I spent over like a decade just developing my education solely focused on horses and my ability to train and give a high quality product and a high quality experience for my clients. So I didn't just spend a whole like a, over a decade developing those skills. 
just to go die broke. You know, and that was one of those things I didn't pursue my passion and sacrifice the profit that came along with it, which is something I'll share. I, I share with people. And so when I developed my training business, I absolutely ran it like a business. And of course, I had to start. You, know, you had to start from the bottom, right? You have to build the clientele. You got to do the marketing. You have like it was one of those things I had to start. I had the knowledge. Now I had to go prove it, and I had to take all these business concepts that were not from the horse industry. And not the traditional way of running an equine business while still delivering what these clients wanted and be able to bring that together. And business is business, even though it came from a different model, even though it came from international business where it was multi million dollar revenue each year, it still works in a horse training business to where you can make $100,000 a year, you know, take home like one person. And you, if you want to go bigger than that, you can. Like you can build it to 500000 or a million dollar business if you want to. But you got to understand the principles of business. So the long-winded answer to your question is like when I started my horse training business, I, I did have the business mindset, but my business knowledge and experience, like, I wouldn't even say experience, but just exposure really as was from my childhood. And then throughout my childhood, I had like all kinds of ridiculous enterprises. Like I was growing plants, you know, like garden plants and selling for three bucks, like at the farmer's market type deal. Or like I raised mice and chickens in my parents' basement on a golf course, which was very frowned upon and all of those sorts of things. But I would do anything like if I could provide a high quality product or experience that I believed in, then I was willing to go sell it. And that's to me what's so important for orchard. If you truly believe in what you're doing, there is no shame in marketing and selling yourself. Because if you don't, you're not living out your purpose. You're not doing what you should be doing by being able to serve as many horses and people and students as you want to. If your ego is in the way of going, I don't want to market myself. I don't want to put myself out there and sound salesy. You're not living up to the potential and the purpose and the impact that you should be having on this industry because you could be helping that many more people. If you would get over your, your mental block of going, I don't want to sound salesy. It's like, no, you going out there and learning how to actually market yourself will allow you to serve more people and help more horses. And that's ultimately what's going to be a positive thing for the industry. So I'll let you take the back here and see where we want to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you almost did things in a reverse manner, just based on your upbringing. You really did learn about business first and then were introduced to horses second. But I think a lot of people that grow up in the horse world, they are exposed to horses first and then they try to figure out the business aspect. And that's where they get hung up a little bit. So I'm going to ask you a very real and upfront question because I, I feel like some people might be thinking this, but were you someone that came from money to get started with your horse business when you first decided you wanted to go out on your own? Or were you going in with nothing starting from scratch? I just think it's a question that people think of because they're going to be hearing from you, Colton, and they'll be like, well, it sounds like he came from a successful family. So maybe he had a lot of money starting out. I'm, I'm really glad that you asked that question. For some people, it's going to be uncomfortable. Because a lot of people say, oh, his family run an international business. It was like a multi-million dollar year revenue. Listen, my parents, I grew up in a southern house. So I grew up in a small town in North Carolina. And they made it very, very clear that what they built and what they earned was theirs. That, there was times, you know, when the kids were about to get in trouble, my brother, my younger brother and I, and they're like, listen, you're a guest in this house, as far as I'm concerned. And those were direct quotes, right? Like, they're like, you are welcome to live here. We will provide for you. We love you. but." they were very, very clear on the boundaries of what was ours and what wasn't, right? Like that is theirs. They earned it. They built it. My parents didn't have two pennies to rub together when they got married. They built the company up from the ground up. And so 
for whatever reason, it really stuck with me that what they built was not mine. For me, anytime I went and did anything in public, I was representing the family name. And to me, for, for whatever reason, that was something that was extremely, extremely important to me. And so when I represented our family name, I was like, listen, my, my dad and my mom have built something incredible, but I've got to go do my thing, right? I, I have to go build my own deal. So when, when I went off on my own, like I graduated from university, like I went to the equine program. And then I jumped into a job where I was making $200 a week and I was making nothing. So I now have a college degree and I'm making 200 bucks a week, right? Like <laughs> a whole family was like, you've lost your damn mind. Like this is ridiculous. But I was there for, for three goals, see the country, meet people and learn how to train horses better. Like that was what I was there for. I think when I took that job, I had four or $5,000 in the bank, right? That I had saved from all my little small entrepreneur ventures through high school and college. Like I had four or five grand. And when I left that job, I had about the same because I was barely making a living wage. My wife and I got engaged. I pushed all, I pushed the four or $5,000 into our personal account because our finances run together. And I pushed in a personal account. My business account was at zero, zero when I started my own business. So to answer like, oh, we came from money. Like there was no handouts, right? And I didn't want them. I hate it. Like it has been one of the hardest things because my wife's an only child. And I'm very transparent about this stuff, guys, because one, my wife and I are all cool with that. But like her parent, as an only child, her parents are very willing to provide for, her. and it's been one of the it has been one of the ultimate challenges since we've been dating, engaged, and now married for almost five years. Like where they're willing just to provide for their only child, and I'm like, I don't want handouts. Like I want to go earn my stripes. And so even if my parents had offered, be like, here's some seed money, right? Like I, I hate it because I want to pay that stuff back as fast as I can. Um, even loans from the bank, I hate having debt. So like, as far as like, did, did my parents go and buy me a fancy barn? Hell no. Like I, I went and got a deal and like, I started training horses out of my car. Like I traveled to people. Right. And I had my saddle, my bridle, a couple of training aids. And I went to people until I had enough money and enough clients to actually justify renting a facility. And then I rented the facility and then I went to rent a bigger facility. Like, but it's it's a step by step process. So no, I I I'm really appreciative that you asked that question because it can, some people can make those conclusions, and I would be the first to say I was, I'm very thankful for the upbringing I had. It did not come without hardship. Yeah, I mean there was we had some really 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 tough times that I'm very grateful for because they significantly impacted the way that I operate today. And so I'm grateful for the really good stuff. And I'm really grateful for the really tough stuff because they've all given me tools, knowledge, skills, experience to be able to be where I'm at. You know, and it, it, it's not all easy. I'm really glad you shared all of that because I do believe that assumptions are made, especially when you hear a story like yours, like, oh, both of my parents were successful. And you just kind of make that assumption when you see a successful family that the finances got kind of passed down along through the line and that it carried you throughout your own endeavors. So that's why I wanted to really unpack that because I would have not even known any of that about you without asking that question. And I think our listeners will enjoy hearing that part of it too. There's a lot. It's like a hero's journey, you know, like it, it, we all have the opportunity to build, to become our own hero, right? Like, my wife, we're going to have our firstborn in July, end of July. And so 
like for me, I'm thinking like, what am I doing to like to provide the very best life that I can for, we don't know if it's boy or girl. So like for this being that is coming into the world. And, you know, I look at back to where my parents started and my mom had an art degree, which like, what the hell are you going to do with an art degree? And my dad didn't even finish college. And then they, they both went out and worked. They both developed their careers. They came, they got married, they came together and they built something from the ground up with a vision of what they wanted to create. And they put in the blood, sweat and tears. And I think it's really important to understand, like, like for me, like we can all go somewhere. If you need inspiration, look around you. If like you need, if it's my story, if it's your parents' story, if it's a story of someone that you don't want to be like, right? If you watch someone else that's lived their life and you're like, I don't want to be that person, then you can use that as a guiding force to make sure you're going the other direction. But, you know, it's it's one of those things that even though my parents have been successful, like they had to come from the ground up too. And I think that it, that has its pros and its cons because I know in my journey, I felt like I had to struggle for a certain period of time. And now I would tell people like, don't struggle any more than you have to. Like a lot of us feel like the struggle is part of it, but it's like, when does the struggle end, right? Some of us are willing to continue struggling because we think it's part of the process and it is, it's going to be difficult. But if you can stop the struggling sooner, do it because like why struggle and suffer any more than you have to? (laughs) Very good point. I want to pivot a little bit and talk to you and learn more about the Professional Horseman School. Tell me a little bit about what it is and at what point you decided to introduce that into your business. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So pretty exciting for today because we have students rolling in. So that's where we had our interview time scheduled out and we got people rolling in today for their in-person sessions. And the school is, it is a certification program. It's a hands-on training and business development program. So I have modeled this to set students or upcoming horse trainers or even horse trainers that are established, but they want to go back through and really get a solid foundation in their training program and in their business. So a lot of times our students are one of two categories, either they're just entering the industry or they're making career switches. They're already in another career field and they're wanting to make a career switch into the horse training world. They're like, I've wanted to do this for a long time, but I'm not really sure how. And the one of the biggest principles I've learned is that success isn't a surprise. It's a system. Like If you look at the people that are truly successful, whether it's running a podcast or if it's going to be a social media influencer, if it's a horse trainer, if it's an investor, they have systems and protocols to success. And of course, you have to take those systems and you have to modify them to what works for you. So what really separates the, the, the school itself is the first half, the first four to four and a half months of the school is strictly horse training focused. And the reason I did that, this is not like a college necessarily, right? Because if you go to college, you have to take bio and chemistry and algebra one, and you have to take all these other classes that honestly, as a horse trainer, you're not going to utilize. It's just not part of it. So this program, the school, the professional horseman school is strictly for those that are serious about a career in the horse training industry. We are here to build a solid foundation in your training program and in your business. And so you go through the first half of that school, step by step by step from setting up your business to making sure you have the right bank accounts to making sure that your insurance is correct if you're training for the public. And then we dive into your horse care and management. Then you get into the actual horse training. And the largest market in the horse industry is working with people that have green or 
not very educated horses. And that is the vast majority of the market is working with those horses that need a solid foundation. So whether you want to serve that direct market of working with, and this it's a market that I built my business on, which was solid foundations and problem solving, which is where I my business blossomed. However, it's the exact foundation that a dressage horse needs. It's the exact foundation that a reining horse needs or a trail horse, whatever. If you have aspirations of riding performance horses, learning this foundation process from working with them in the round pen to the groundwork to all the under saddle exercises, skills that the horses need, then that's exactly what we're going to take you through in this process. So if you graduate and you're like, okay, I'm going to start my own business, then you have a skill set where you can confidently go offer services of starting young horses under saddle or going back through and re-educating horses on the foundational principles. Because it's the it's the biggest part of the horse industry market is serving horses that need that type and working with clients or students that need to learn that piece of education for that phase. The second half of the school is all business focused. So then we dive into your financing, your marketing, your branding, your client experience, teaching. We take you through that and it is step-by-step. All this is step-by-step. You're learning systems, right? You're learning a horse training system. The awesome thing that I think really sets the school apart is that when you graduate and you're certified, you carry that certification just like you would a diploma but you can go make it your own. You're not locked into just doing it the way that the school teaches you. The school is teaching you a formula for success, a system that is step-by-step, by step-by-step. Step. We're going to help you because you have to take two horses through the school. So in order to graduate, you're going to train two horses all the way through your pro- through the program. And then from there, you're going to be able to take that program and go, okay, this really worked for me. And I'm going to follow this framework, but I'm going to change this. Or I'm going to tweak that if you feel like it. But the rule the rule for all of us when we're learning something new is you cannot break the rules unless you know the rules. <laughs> so you really have to master the rules before you're allowed to break them, which is why we have already created a framework that works, right? I've trained hundreds, if not thousands of horses at this point for other people using the exact system that we have here. And I went to college, got an equine degree. Then knowing full well I was going to go into horse training, and it like it gave me an okay like foundation, but it wasn't what I needed as a horse trainer. And there's other programs out there, but there's a what we saw and why we created this was there's a huge need for people to need a direct path. Like, what is it exactly that I need to be successful as a horse trainer if I want to become a horse trainer? And that's exactly what the school is, right? Is a direct path for them to be successful as a horse trainer. And the last thing that I'll throw in there is they graduate with what we call business in a box. And so when you go through the school, as you're learning the marketing, the branding and all of those pieces, we're developing your website. So throughout the second half of the school, you're going to graduate with marketing materials. You're going to have your social platform set up. You're going to have your branding, your marketing messaging. You're going to know exactly who your target market is. You're going to know exactly who they are, how to speak to them, what services you're offering and how to bridge that together. And you're going to have the platform. You're going to have the website. You're going to have the CRM, which is, I'm sure you may not even know what a CRM is, but it is your software for bringing in new clients. So all your applications, your training horse applications, your messaging back software, how to be able to keep connected with these potential clients and students, that's all included as part of your, your tuition for the school. 
and you get six weeks in person. So it's it's a full gamut. Like we want to give you zero excuses when you graduate from the school to go on and be successful as a horse trainer. And so that I'm super excited. We got students that rolled in today, so it's it's an exciting day. <laughs> well, it sounds like your system is very streamlined too. Is there any one thing that you find is like the number one struggle for horse trainers in business? The number one struggle, well, I would say that most horse trainers struggle with time and money. Time and money are the, the two the two biggest things, and they're very connected. That's why I'm going to throw them together. The biggest way when I talk to horse trainers, I was like, do you need more clients? Do you need more time? And do you need more money? Right? All of them need more time and money. Some of them need more clients. Some of them don't need more clients. But even the ones that don't need more clients oftentimes have a lot of the clients that aren't their ideal target market. So they're like, well, these are who I have, but this is not necessarily who I want to be serving. And it's like, well, then you don't have enough clients because you're not speaking, you're not marketing, you're not messaging to the right group of people if that's not who you're actually trying to serve. And so when it comes to time and money, then it's optimizing. We have to get control of the time. We have to look at your profit centers. We have to know like, what should you be spending your time doing? Are you spending your time doing things that you shouldn't be doing? Right. And I am very much a numbers person. So being able to crank that down and say, are you getting paid $30 a ride to ride a training horse, but you're spending two hours a day doing chores. So you could have rode two training horses and made 60 bucks, but you spent the two hours doing chores that you could outsource at 12 bucks. And people start to realize like, oh, I could have paid a kid $24. They done the chores and I could rode two training horses and made 60 bucks. So I'm still $36 ahead at the end of the day, and I didn't have to do the chores, and I got to serve these clients. Numbers don't lie in business. So we have to be able to have systems. You have to have a marketing system. You have to have a horse training system. You have to have a horse care management system. One big thing that I see a lot of horse trainers do is they work 120 hours to be a horse trainer so that they don't have to go work 40 hours for somebody else. And I stole that from a mastermind event that I was at. So I cannot take credit for that quote. But horse trainers are so guilty of saying, I don't want to go work for somebody else, even though they can make better money working 40 hours a week, have a lifestyle, have a relationship, be able to take care of their family a lot better, have benefits. No, they're going to become a horse trainer, work 120 hours to do something that they love. But it's not a business, right? A, A true business works for you. You're going to work hard. If you own the business, you're going to work hard. So I'm not saying that you're not going to work hard. But if you are working 120 hours a week and if you step away, all the wheels fall off, right? You can't make money. The horses can't get taken care of. And you have anxiety walking away to go on a family vacation. You do not own a business. You have a job. You just basically own, you have a business that owns you and you have to work within it. Otherwise, you can't make a living. That to me is not owning a business, right? Owning a business is something, is a system that, yes, you have to work hard at it. You are an integral part of the business, but you should be able to go take your family on vacation, right? You should be able to make enough money to go make an outside investment or to be able to invest in yourself as a horseman or horseman. The business has to work for you. And a lot of times that's really where I like want to help people is to understand like, it's great if you just want to create a job for yourself. But don't let's not confuse that with a business, because if you're just creating a job for yourself, then sure, you have a single person owned LLC. That's totally fine. But 
the problem, the real problem, and this is where I get so much anxiety on behalf of other people is that when you do that, you can't walk away. So as soon as you quit riding, you quit making money. And that's not a business because then what, what happens if you get hurt, right? You have to build a business that's diversified. So if you were to get hurt, you still have income, you're covered. Like you, you don't have the anxiety of that particular situation coming up. And if you get that covered, then you're not concerned if you get hurt. I mean, you'd rather not, but you're not as concerned because the business is going to keep moving forward. And then it allows you the same freedom to go take a vacation or to go on a ho- like to go visit family over the holidays, right? And actually spend time with people and all those things. It's it's one of those things. Yeah, it's 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 a dicey deal, but we really have to have our perspective honed in on it. I am right there with you, Colton. I'm sure that we all know somebody who said they can't go on vacation because they can't leave the barn. You hear it all the time. I'm not, I'm not preaching like to anyone. I, 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 was, I put myself in that position by accident and I did it for several years and then realized like, oh, you think you're running the business. Your name's a part of the business. You have an LLC, but I couldn't go on vacation. I've missed more family vacations than I'd like to admit, but it was more, it was all because of mindset. It was all because of my, one, it was my mindset first. And when I unlocked my mindset, then I started putting the systems into place that allowed me to actually build a business. But until I, and that's why I'm so much harping on the perspective shift, because that's the first thing that has to change. And then once you're like, oh, I actually do need to get this business working for me, then go learn the systems, right? Then go learn the systems that you need to to make sure that you can actually make it happen. But the systems don't matter if you don't, if you don't have that perspective shift and you're like, Oh, I, that pain or that pleasure point has to be high enough for you to actually go take the action to make it happen. How did that shift happen for you? It, it was over a period of time because my entry into the horse world, one of the first groups of people that I was introduced to was the Vaquero style of horsemanship. So the Tom Dorrance, Ray Hunt, Buck Branham, and, and then a mentor of mine, Kip Fladlin, who's a phenomenal horseman I've spent a little bit of time with. Guys like Peter Campbell and uh, several others that came from, I don't call it the flat hat community, but just very much the Vaquero style of horsemanship. And for me, that early intro, like a lot of people that grew up in the horse industry, you just you see models, right? you just, you, you see what other people are doing. You're like, oh, okay, if you like it, you say, that's what I'm going to go do. And that's why I see a lot of horse people get held back is they, they learned a broken business model early, early on. And that became the ideal thing to chase, not realizing that when they get there, it doesn't work that well. So for me, what happened was I saw guys like Buck Brandman that, and there's a whole other story behind that. But when I saw him, I was like, man, this guy actually is a phenomenal horseman. He's traveling the world, teaching people. And he like he already knows how to do this. Like He's willing to teach you how to do it. So I, as someone that loves to ask questions, I was drawn to that because I'm like, I want to learn from these people because I don't have to go make this up on my own. I don't have to like go reinvent the wheel. But then I his business model of being on the road 42 weeks a year at the early stages was my goal. Because I'm like, that's amazing. Who wouldn't want to travel the world teaching people, riding horses? And so for many, for several, quite a few years, like that's what I thought I was going to go do. As this whole journey's progressed, I realized like I love being on the road. I still want to travel and see the world and teach and be able to impact as many people across the world as possible. 
whether it's through the professional horseman school, whether it's through clinics, whether it's through the business mentorship program that we have, like whatever it is, I still want to do that. But my dad, particularly when I was a kid, he was gone six to eight months a year, gone like traveling overseas in Asia, India, China, wherever, and all across the U.S. traveling. And so now with where I'm at, getting ready to enter this fatherhood stage, I want to be there for some of the stuff that my dad missed. So that has been a slow progression. And just as, as far as the last 18, probably 18 to 24 months where I've really started to evaluate what I really want to do. And so again, my business needs to work for me. Right. So as my lifestyle kind of changes and my goals change, like, I don't want to get emotional about this, but like, I do want to be there for when this kid enters the world and I can be there for birthdays. Like I want to take the kid to horse shows or go do those types of things that my dad might've missed when I was a kid. And I know now, like my dad was building a business that he was like, he was doing the entrepreneurial thing. He was running a business with two big businesses and, you know, he was just doing what he had to do. But you don't have to follow that, right? Like just because he did it doesn't mean I have to go do it. Like this is my life. It's my business. It needs to work for me. And I want to be there for those moments. And so really over the last 12 months, it has been an intense change because I I want to be there for that. But I also don't want to sacrifice my mission to help as many people with their horses and now like I, I, my whole mission is to educate horses and people with a lifetime in mind. Like everything I do has to fit under educating horses and people with a lifetime in mind. That was something that came to me very early on in my career. They're like, this is what I've set out to do. And a lot of people are asking like, why the hell do you care so much about helping these other horse trainers in their businesses? Like, and some people honestly think it's a money grab, right? They're like, oh, it's digital content or whatever. And it's like, listen, I got in this to help as many horses as I could. Like my journey started with volunteering in equine rescue. And I saw a need in those horses. They ended up in a rescue situation because they did not have an education. I'm a purpose-driven person. I went out and developed my horsemanship so that I could help prevent horses ever ending up in those types of situations. So anytime, I don't care if it's $150,000 warm blood, Grand Prix dressage prospect that gets sent maybe out cold start. I know full damn well that horse could end up in a rescue situation if it doesn't have the mental, the physical, the emotional development that it needs to be successful in a domesticated environment. I don't care how nice it is, like of a horse it is, it could end up in one of those situations. So that's why like my training program is so regimented and so specific to the purpose in which it's built upon. And now when I'm helping people develop their businesses, to me, it's a very clear, easy thing to see. Each trainer that I can help develop their business to get it working for them they can help more horses. That'll, that will impact more horses and more people that I could ever single-handedly do from my own barn if I can go out and help one trainer, 10 trainers, 100 trainers in their businesses. And they have, if, if there's 10 trainers with 10 horses in their barn, it's 100 horses. Like It would take me a long time to do that one by one by one by one. And so everything I have to do is that there has to be a purpose behind it. If I don't know why I'm doing it, I will stay up all night. I will figure it out. If it doesn't add up, I move on. But today, it is a combination of living out that mission of why I think God put me around this earth and 
that deep inner purpose that I have, but also being able to uphold my responsibilities as a husband and father to be able to be there for those things. And I think that's the most, like one of the most amazing things about horse trainers is like, most of us didn't like school. <laughs> like that's, that's just the fact. Like most of us did not like school. So we have this twinge of an entrepreneurial spirit. And when you have that, you have to realize that you have the exact opportunity to build whatever life you want to build. And no one's going to tell you different. Like, you, you know, you have to build something that can actually grow and they can actually return you a profit. You can actually make a living doing it. But I mean, there's people out there today that are making money talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Like, and you're like, how can someone be making money talking about Ninja Turtles? Ninja Turtles was like from the 90s, like how in the 80s and 90s, like how can they, you know, like, they are, they're probably making six figures doing it. And they love talking about Ninja Turtles. So like the idea that I have a student right now that loves developing dog education, like canines and horses. And we're helping her bridge her two training programs for dogs and horses to have a cohesive program. Like that's what we're, I'm like, I, I told her, I was like, Courtney, like how many people, how many horse people have dogs? Right. And I was like, almost all of us have, have dogs. And you're very specific. She's very specific in how she trains. I was like, so you need to build your program and niche down to where it's dogs and horses. I was like, get really specific. You don't need a hundred thousand clients. You need, you know, however, however she developed her business model, which is more boutique than it is a department store model. So she might only need 10 to 20 clients a year at the most to make six figures plus. And she's serving a very specific market, doing exactly what she's good at and exactly what she enjoys doing. And you know, for her, it was like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. She had to run boarding and she had to run training and she has to run dog training and she has to run events and she has to run these other things. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, how can we bring this together and make it the thing that you do and become known for? And that's what's awesome about entrepreneurship because like there are no rules, right? Like there are systems that you have to follow, but you get to build whatever the hell you want to build. And I think people just really have to understand like, you can't lose that sense of dreaminess. Like you have to have, you have to be willing. Like I'm in a closet right now, right? So it's not a very good example, but you have to be able to look out into the <laughs> world, right? You have to be able to see like what could be possible and surround yourself with people that have achieved way more than you ever could imagine to realize what is possible. And that's probably something that's been most fundamental for me. Even growing up um, in the lifestyle that I was blessed to have, I've now surrounded myself with people that have done significantly better, like way, 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 way better than what I was ever exposed to as a kid. And it's mind blowing. So I'm like, this is a whole other realm that you do not know what it's like until you experience it. And once you experience it, you start to think differently. Mm. Colton, I have really enjoyed talking with you today. You've dropped so many like gold nuggets during this conversation. I almost felt like I was listening to the podcast, just listening to you talk. <laughs> So thank you for being here. And I know there's a lot of different ways that people can work with you and connect with you. So why don't you share a little bit about that with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the easiest ways to connect with is on me on social media, Coldless Horsemanship. And it's me on the same thing on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, very active on all of those platforms. And I will send Mandy the link if she wants to. She might go to drop this in. It's totally up to you, Mandy. But we, I can give everybody, there's a free download to an ebook. And I'm willing to give everybody the free copy of that. We usually just offer a physical copy, but I can give you guys a free download for that. And it's it's the foundation. It's being it's called be a leader with following. 
And it's the personal development as a horseman, as well as our horsemanship development. So it's not business related, which is what we really talk about here, but it still has the same mindset in there to help us better serve our horses. Because a lot of us, that's what we're after at the end of the day. Even if you need to develop your business, it's so that you can better serve the horses that you're working with. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok is the best way to connect with us. And then as we talked about a little bit was a professional horseman school, which is you can always find that on our website. And for those that may not need the training, the horse training, you may be at your training facility, you got your training program already ironed out, but you're like, hey, I really need help in business. Then we have a really, really phenomenal program, which is the one I was alluding to that Courtney was a part of, which is our business mentorship for horse trainers. That is a phenomenal program to get some one-on-one access, small group coaching, and access to all these systems that we kind of dove into with the marketing, the branding, the financing. And we're here to serve you guys. That's what we're here to do is to help you transform your businesses to transform your own lives so that you can build the life that you want to build. You can serve the people that you want to serve and really honestly make your dreams come true because you can. It's a $122 billion industry, right? $122 billion industry. Like the, the idea that you couldn't make six figures, seven figures if you have those aspirations is ludicrous. You absolutely can because it's there. But like economics, numbers don't lie. It's a $122 billion industry, but you got you to gotta follow the systems and if you want to be successful, that's what you do. That's what we've done. That's awesome, Colton. Well, we can definitely link to that free download in the show notes. So for our listeners, if you want to check that out, just check out our show notes and we'll have that link available there. Colton, thank you again for being here. It's been a great chat with you today. Danny, I really appreciate you having me. We'll have to do it again sometime. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you're a horse business owner or equestrian professional, I'd love to invite you to continue the conversation in our free online community just for you. The Leadline Facebook community is a great space to network, get advice, and even recommend guests you'd like to hear on future episodes of the show. You can become a member by visiting theleadlinepodcast.com group. That's theleadlinepodcast.com group. And join the conversation today. I'm Mandy, and I'll see you next time.